0: Hello, mamas. It's Danielle Goss, the booby fairy, and I wanted to come on and talk about the pressing topic that is the formula shortage right now. And I know that it is weighing on the hearts of all of you moms, as well as the caregivers and healthcare providers, lactation consultants, pediatricians, etc. I've been asked a lot today specifically about what do you do in regards to this? You know, there's very valid reasons as to why a woman chooses not to breastfeed. And there's many families out there where breast milk isn't an option. And so formula is the best choice for their family. And I wanted to come on and do, if you will, an emergency episode to kind of talk a little bit about what I'm seeing. So I've done a lot of research. I had a couple media outlets reach out to me today. I've been talking to um, other families and I just first off, uh, I've been trying to do Instagram lives today, but Instagram's being all cranky. So um, here you go. This will be the next best thing. So a big let's talk about the why first and foremost. So a big reason for the shortage is the unsanitary conditions surrounding Abbott, who is the company that makes Similac and Ellicare, and the. I feel the point of this. This podcast is always to be just as transparent and open and honest as possible. So I am going to kind of dive into a little bit of what I feel um, may be some of the bigger reasons. So there's three big formula companies out there. You have Abbott, which is responsible for, like I said, Similac and Alicare. You have Nestle, which does Gerber and, uh, you know, like Goodstar, et cetera. And then you have the companies that makes Enfamil. And a lot of the main brand ones, you know, have a lot of sugar in it. So we started to see some of these smaller companies, a lot of European companies come out with more organic formulas, such as Bobby, which is a company I actually really adore. They are mom run, it's small owned, and their their voice behind their product is great. But even they can't take on any new clients because there isn't enough ingredients out there so currently there there was we were able to get um, formula from hip and Holle, which are german companies and we, a lot of the european formulas are really excellent but again with everything going on in the world it's really difficult to even get those right now and currently there is a 40 percent um, of formulas are sold out in our country that's devastating news so the reason behind this has began because of unsanitary conditions surrounding Abbott. Um, the marketing of these brands are huge. I mean, they're, they're big pharmaceutical routes, just like with pharmaceutical medications, obviously. Formula can kind of be a form of medicine and it falls under that same concept. Uh, so the what happened, uh, there was a huge... Shortage uh, that had to be pulled because of this of the sanitary unsanitary conditions in the factory in you know the Midwest and there was a salmonella outbreak and I had several patients that were actually affected by the salmonella outbreak which got uh, I mean children were dying infants were being you know placed in the hospital et cetera and it, it definitely affected even some of the babies in my in my clinic as well. Um, but the marketing of these brands is huge. Uh, they, they market them to hospitals and pediatricians, and and it's the number one brand distributed to healthcare facilities is Similac, which is associated with Abbott. It is then ingrained into the minds of parents that they can't switch brands out of fear of making the baby sick. So now you have all these babies starting on the big brand, formulas that has the highest outbreak of salmonella causing the deaths of babies and hospitalizations. It's a huge money factor, unfortunately. Um, Some hospitals do receive compensation for distributing main brand formulas. Um, A lot of formula companies will come and give to the pediatricians. And, you know, I carry formula in my office because whenever I have a case where there's a baby that has, um, you know, slow waking or failure to thrive, or there are reasons why the mom cannot breastfeed though it's important for me to have formula. I, you know, if the baby's jaundice, we need to wash the, you know, do a formula wash or what have you. It's okay. as always, you know, my whole philosophy is number one, we feed a baby. Number two, we do what's going to make you the best mom for that baby. Right. And so therefore having formula at hand is, is important. And I've even found sometimes moms just having a can of formula in their pantry gives them a little bit of ease knowing there's a backup plan that all the pressure isn't on their shoulders in order to be the sole provider for these kiddos um so it's i'm i'm just still trying to wrap my head around the whole idea of this because i just i can only imagine i've talked to families where these moms, I mean, they're sitting on the their kitchen floors crying because they don't know what else to do. So everything, kind of unfortunately, boils around, you know, money in this industry. And parents are going to turn to pediatricians for advice on what to feed the baby. And to be honest, I truthfully don't even know if we all have the answers for that. You know, they're they're going to turn, you know, Families are going to pediatricians for advice on what to feed the baby. They probably don't have any updated education on this. They're flying off the seat of their pants because we're trying to make heads and tails of this. Formula companies, um, they sell formula to practices the very same way. And so now, because there's 40% of formula sold out everywhere, it has caused a huge and if you will. Uh, you know, the pandemic hasn't helped either. You know, we saw an uptick in births in 2020, then a decline in 2021, and now another uptick in births in 2022. And so even shipping ingredients has been a problem. You know, you can, you'll see that they were trying to gauge how much to make based on ingredients, based on the amount of births. And, and I'm going to talk to you about a reason why we're starting to see even a push more for formula right now, the breastfeeding rates is one of the lowest it's been um, worldwide. Specifically, I mean, the UK, absolutely, their breastfeeding rates are detrimental. And here in the US, we're starting to see problems. And I have a a bunch of different thought processes on the reasons for that. And really the, the solution currently is not to be telling these families, well, just breastfeed because... If they could breastfeed and they wanted to breastfeed, they would. It has, it has, there's many reasons why a woman can't, you know, and, and we're seeing an increase in these causes as well. So the, let me kind of backtrack a little bit in, in this, in how this kind of plays a role too. I mean, we're, you as parents are told that you can't switch formulas, that if the baby has sensitivities, which, I'm cautious on saying sensitivities because a lot of times formulas are switched because baby's gassy or baby has, um, you know, gastric issues and truthfully, it doesn't matter how they're fed. It's what, or I should say, it doesn't matter what they're fed. It's how they're being fed. Because if there is a hidden oral tie, which he has to talk about ties a lot that is going to cause more gastric upset than the formula itself so there is the ability to safely switch from one brand of formula to the other without having to upset the baby's gut we so So you can safely switch to, you know, different formula companies, even though the parents are told otherwise, providing that there isn't sensitivities. Now, the side note, a lot of these cases of sensitivities actually is because the baby's gassy, which again has nothing to do with what they're eating as it does with how they are eating. About 75% of babies have some form of an oral tie. But because of the lack of education and training, both with pediatricians and even most IBCLCs, they are not receiving the ability and the skills to be able to diagnose these. And so they get missed, which has caused a decrease in breastfeeding and an increase for the need of formula. Low milk supplies on the rise with new mothers for various reasons. Number one being we have the technology for older mothers to get pregnant. And women who would not be able to get pregnant naturally now can because of the help of infertility measures such as IVF and IUI. Women who need this assistance are already predestined to have low supply because their hormones are not functioning correctly to begin this. This was never as big of an issue when you had to, you know, the comfort of formula as an option, but right now, that's not the case. So because we have the ability for women to get pregnant and carry to full term when they have struggled with infertility, we know in the lactation world that that most likely will predispose you for some issues because Thyroid and endocrine and PCOS and autoimmune, all of those control the hormones for making milk, such as your oxytocin levels, your prolactin levels. If you have low thyroid hormone, you're not going to be able to necessarily produce to the level that you need to. If, you're having to, if you have PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, your insulin levels uh, will be off, which has a huge role in how much milk you produce. The older we get, the less likely and more difficult it is to necessarily have a full production. We're seeing a massive increase in the MTHFR gene mutation, which is responsible for these midline defects. And I, you know, it's been estimated now that we are learning more about MTHFR, which we call the, <laughs> a lot of actual call it the mother upper gene, but uh, because it not only does it cause midline defects, about 50% of the population was walking around with this mutation, we just don't test for it, so you're not really aware of how much this has kind of wreaked havoc, and it also predisposes those individuals to a higher level or a higher risk of depression, anxiety, postpartum depression, bipolar disorder, etc. And so, if we now have this predisposition because of what's happening with the inability to absorb folic acid or methylated folate, if you will, um, it can increase these issues. So now you have moms that are you know, about 50% of the population walking around with babies that are most likely gonna end up being more tied, um, which lowers your supply in itself because if the baby cannot remove the milk from the breast, your body doesn't know to keep making milk. If they are low in folic acid or B vitamins, you know that's gonna play a role in their stress levels. And cortisol, which is the stress hormone, is the mortal enemy of oxytocin, which helps for the milk to let down, and it will fight your prolactin response. So all that to be said is if you add extra stress, one of the biggest killers of milk supply is stress. So now we have moms that are already struggling with low milk supply, and now we've toppled on this formula shortage on top of it, it's only going to cause a bigger stress situation. So knowing that that is the issue, a big root of this cause needs to be, besides education, in being able to identify these, but getting rid of the stigma associated with feeding these babies in general. We already have enough guilt and depression involved with this whole scenario. The last thing we need to do is be making this matter's worth, especially with fellow lactation consultants and others in the mother-baby field, who the, the answer is not just breastfeed. It just isn't. So we have to think outside the box and find a way to help these families out. And I think I have a couple of solutions here. Um, I do want to talk about what you can do and what you can't do. Um, We are also seeing an increase in autoimmune, like I mentioned. Um, We have low breastfeeding rates to begin with because of lack of support in the medical community, especially since the pandemic. There's a lot of opinions, politics, you know, the the pandemic has really limited a lot of the lactation resources for in-person consults. It's starting to get better, thankfully. Um, But again, you know, I've been doing a lot of telehealth stuff, which is always available to all of you. Uh, But, you know, the pandemic limited a lot of that made it financially more difficult. And so women are not really seeking out the, the care that they need. And there's conflicting information everywhere. That's the root of a lot of breastfeeding issues is there's conflicting education and conflicting information between the pediatrician, your OBGYN, fellow mothers. We've got social media and Facebook groups and all of these different opinions weighing in on how you choose to feed your baby. And now you've toppled on a formula shortage on top of that. It's, it's exasperating. We have to kind of Now is the time for us in our community to bond together as women and really come up with a solution. And I feel like if we work together, there is that ability. You know, on top of all of that, we have traumatic births on the rise, uh, which can cause a delay in milk coming in. I have been completely blown away at the amount of birth trauma that's coming out specifically within the last few months. And if you have a traumatic birth or you haven't processed any trauma, that can lie within your nervous system. And your nervous, you know, your body keeps score and your nerves will respond in that nature. So that is going to cause a delay in your milk coming in. So therefore the baby has had to start on formula to begin with. There is such thing as flow preference, not so much nipple confusion in my opinion, but definitely a flow preference in how they're feeding. And so if you have a kid who... Has like the trifecta of an oral tie plus a mom who already has low supply plus a traumatic birth that's caused an, a, a rise in in their stress levels. These we're going to start to see an increase in babies with failure to thrive. And so, if we can find ways to make this more natural and respecting the mother's wishes and where she's at, we might actually start to, from an emotional standpoint, be able to help fix this from the inside out, if that makes sense. The other thing, is, a lot of you know, is a very passionate thing that I am, or a thing that I am very passionate about has to do when survivors give birth and when survivors breastfeed. And of what we are aware of, there is a rise in sexual assault and no one is paying attention to this. And this is huge. Any form of trauma will play a huge role in milk production of your mental ability to breastfeed moms who have a history will not often disclose it and it, or they will not understand why their breastfeeding pain is higher because now you're dealing with nipple stimulation, which releases higher levels of oxytocin, which if there is a history of trauma associated with the breast, the nipples, you know, anything within that sensitive mechanics of our body it can hold on to that trauma and make it impossible in some ways to feed. And that is something I am very passionate about us respecting. Sometimes the families or sometimes the mother isn't even going to be aware as to why this is difficult for her because her subconscious may have suppressed it. And as that starts to unravel itself through birth, through breastfeeding, through all of this, there's going to be some of these, these emotional boulders that these moms are going to have to kind of deal with head on when they weren't expecting it if you look at statistics one out of three women have been sexually assaulted and that's with what we are knowing that's that's what we know of not mentioning the cases that aren't happening so because it is on the rise, because we are or we're aware of it it is playing a role and we have to be sensitive to that nature that if a woman is not disclosing or doesn't even understand why she's choosing not to breastfeed you have to honor that because it is not our job to put our personal beliefs or what we feel is best in regards to breastfeeding or feeding in general it is not about what we feel it's not our agenda it's about what is best for that mother and that baby period and it is our jobs as healthcare providers as women supporting women that we get behind them and help them to heal And this is certainly not an area that is going to be ignored, in my opinion. On top of that, um, there is going to have what we call a DEMER. I have a podcast episode I did last year on DEMER, which is dysphoric milk ejection response, um, which has to do with when your blood sugar, or I'm sorry, your your, um, dopamine levels tank because of the oxytocin release. And it can cause anxiety and it can cause a delay in your milk letting down. That is a that is gonna inhibit milk production as well. And be and a lot of those moms, because of how melancholy they feel the minute that and, and that is different than postpartum depression. Demer is different. But when that happens, it can cause a sense of anxiety for needing to breastfeed. And so that is something As well that can play a role and why we have to honor these moms who are making these decisions so if we just basically say to these moms we just you just need to breastfeed it's just not appropriate and all this is gonna do is add mom guilt anxiety already present as well as increased depression which is gonna lower supply anyway so here is so what can moms do what should you avoid here is kind of some solutions contact, I mean, a lot of, uh, they're sold out in a lot of grocery stores, but look at local retailers as well. Pharmacies will have it. Um, some of the Whole Foods, Mother's Market, yes, they'll be more expensive, but it might be able to get you over the hump. Or contact the, get, get the formula directly from the source, you know, Unfamil, Gerber, etc. And if you need to switch formula brands, again, you can gradually introduce the new brand to help ease the discomfort of the gastric system. It's, it has a lot to do with just jumping from protein to protein to protein. But if you gradually just change, there might be a slight difference, but the baby should do just fine. Another option is you can reach out to your pediatrician. They often will be able to help mainstream their supply of formula to those babies that truly need it. Um, Another thing you can do is look for donor milk from milk banks. This can be expensive, and so milk banks need to be more relaxed in their distribution, in my opinion, right now. Um, the HMBAA or the Human Milk Bank of America Association, is responsible for taking milk donations, pasteurizing milk, but often they, their goal is to save it for the NICU infants. But if you are a woman who happens to be blessed with excess breast milk, you know, certainly you can donate it to any of the local uh, milk banks sometimes breastfeeding moms are getting that from friends family you know you can have a close donor the only thing i would encourage you to pay attention is that if if you do receive donor milk from friends and family there needs to be disclosure of medications from the donor mom and their dietary needs if that maybe has a food sensitivity we certainly want to pay attention to that because we can't monitor that per se and that's one bonus with a milk bank is that they are able to pasteurize it. So it doesn't necessarily have all the attributes, but it does have a lot of, it is screened for medications, etc. So you know that what you're getting is a little bit safer, but again, it can be pricey. So if you have a trusted family, friend, you know, woman in your life, that would be a good option as well. Um... Look for signs for gastric changes in the smell of their poop, poop, the mucus. If there's blood in their poop, the color changes to green soapiness. If the baby gets a rash, I'm hesitant to say the word colic. If you've read my book, you know why. Um, Colic is just a medical term for undiagnosed crying. But if the baby's fussy and they seem to be overly gassy, again, I would first have them checked for ties. Um, But if it has to do, there's a definite switch within the changing of the protein, try to do it as gradually as you can. But certainly the signs that we would be concerned about would be fever, tills, rash, blood in this poop, as well as mucus. Also, be very cautious of expiration dates on the cans. If the can of formula has expired, it's absolutely not safe to provide you to your baby. It just, period. There, it's not like how some people take expired medications, which I do not recommend, by the way, um, that they're just less effective. In this case, it, it's harmful to give expired cans of formula because it has to do with the electrolyte balance for the baby. The other thing that I feel could be incredibly helpful is for moms to consider, Inducing lactation for a mom in their life, or even relactating. So, if there is not the ability to produce a full supply, most mothers, even if they've never been pregnant, so really we're mammals, right? So even even men can lactate. To be honest, who knows? Maybe it's time for dads to kind of help in. <laughs> I highly doubt that, that will happen, but um, they do. They say I have done it before. I have uh, induced lactation on a man before, um, but because they have the same anatomy. But if you, if we can induce lactation to help offset the need of formula, imagine how huge that alone could be. You probably may not have a full supply, but you'd have enough to have help offset some of it. Um, you, there's many ways to go about inducing lactation. You can do it strictly just with stimulation alone. If you've been pregnant before in the past, to relactate is actually a lot easier but even if you've never been pregnant before and you want to induce lactation, you can do it. It has a lot to do with stimulation with the right fitting flange for a pump, introducing certain herbs or galactagogues to help as well as there are some medications that's usually last resort, um, but supply and demand, right? So if you start stimulating your breast tissue again, every two to three hours for about 10 to 15 minutes, you can actually induce lactation And it might be time for us as women to band together and maybe consider doing that for another mom in our lives that are, that, that needs it or a baby rather. Um, so if that is something that sounds good, I, I feel like it could be a reality of, you know, especially if it hasn't been that long since you've lactated to induce lactation might be a beautiful thing to do, but here are some things I want to caution you guys against. Please, please, please do not make homemade formula. There are many dangerous recipes online right now for this. This, is, this will throw off the baby's electrolytes, hydration, vitamin and protein levels. We, you can't monitor the bacteria from these recipes from outside sources. Some of them are asking for honey and molasses and all those things that are just not safe for infants. So it can make the baby very sick, result in liver and kidney damage, and it's just not wise. So the last thing you wanna do is make your own homemade formula. Um, also don't dilute formula or breast milk in hopes of making it last longer. This also is a very fast way to make baby sick. There's a reason as to why we don't give infants water prior to nine months of age, as it can interfere with their electrolyte balance and limit the nu- needed nutrients and proteins for proper brain development. If we're filling these babies up with more water than we are, Actual nutritious breast milk, aka or formula, it can make them feel too full, and then they're not going to be able to eat the nutrients that they need. So by diluting that, it will throw things off and allow them not to get what they need. Um, I do not recommend offering goat milk or cow's milk prior to 12 months old. Um, the gut cannot handle this, and they can't break down those proteins, and it will cause a huge issue with their gut formation. Same reason why it is not recommended to give solids. So I would not start giving solids to your baby's young either. That's not going to help. Um, but it is, I, I fear we're going to start seeing that as well. So now is the time, all of this to sum up as to why it's been a problem, things that we can do. But I really feel that now is the time for all the IBCLCs around to step up and support these formula feeding moms. And we need to use our skills to help them, guide them, find solutions for them. We have the opportunity right now to do the right thing. And we together can help to save lives. I firmly believe that if we work together, we can make a difference. If you have any questions or need help or guidance in how to induce lactation or to find resources for formula milk, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I have um, information on my video series as well as in my book that can guide you. Mamas, you are not alone in this. I am here with you. There is a band of us that are going to work together to help us get through, but it takes a village and ladies, I am right there as one of your leaders. Hang in there. I know it's a rough time, but you can and we will get through this together. Love you guys.